The Overrun is coming to Atlantic City, November 16th, the Nationwide Conference on EMS. We'll be presenting on EMS education and new media, talking about how change is here. Register online now. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Overend. I'm Dan Schwester. I'm Anna Ryan. And it's just us today, uh, sitting in the office, uh, just uh, talking about some of the interesting things that have been going on in the EMS world over the last couple weeks. We decided to talk to you about it. Yeah, this could get a little ranty. <laughs> we could have... It's um, not going to be a little ranty, this is a rant show. <laughs> we are going to rant. Yeah, this this is actually a premiere of our, our, our first rant episode, um, where we're going to come to you um, and talk to you about just some just ridiculous stuff that is going on in the EMS world and we still haven't come up with a title I think we should call it what the actual yeah I think I think this episode is gonna be what the actual because there's no other way to explain it Um, there's a couple news stories that have circulated in the EMS world over the last few months Uh, they got a lot of traction on social media and uh, I'm kind of surprised in two ways I think I'm surprised more at the um, you know the the behaviors but I'm also surprised at how many people defended these actions as well you know they're just doing their job and you know they're taking opportunities for that second the thing we're going to talk about I just Dan I just I don't understand how yeah we're actually we're we're actually on sweating right we're out actually on the road in a in a corporate setting today so we're really not the 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 profanity is not going to be what you expect but believe us we're like you know i'm nauseous all right let's talk about it so 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 let's go to the let's go to the first one the first one's really we'll do the more recent one first and then we'll go back and we'll we'll talk about this so the first uh, the first incident that has come up in the last couple weeks and has gotten a lot of focus on um social media um, some of those uh, meme sites and some of those uh, EMS sites on the various social media outlets that we all admit we follow. We know that they <laughs> exist because we're members, let's be honest. Um, this was a case of a paramedic. Uh, one was fired, one was suspended. And, uh, you know, as always, we'll link to the show notes. Um, these two medics uh, encountered a uh, teenage uh, intoxicated patient and um like you do like you do and uh in the process these uh these medics quote unquote medics <laughs> um placed a 14 gauge angiocatheter for iv access in a 13 year old in the 13 year old in a 13 year old who has no vascular compromise right just let's put it this way this wasn't a crashing patient this she didn't need blood or this patient well i i think it was a female patient i'm not I'm not sure. I don't remember off the top of my head. Doesn't matter because they were drunk and annoying, and that was the qualification. Right, and you know this goes back to the memes of uh, yeah, you know, choose your favorite color. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, look, we their favorite color is not liability. Yeah, my favorite color (laughs) is keeping my license. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, we've seen those, and you kind of look at them, and you're like, all right, yeah, it's kind of. You know, it can be humorous in, in, in a joking sense as, 
you know, as some of the things stand-up comedians say that are provocative well, or that's funny, all but those, that all doesn't mean you're going to translate that out to the real world. Yeah, all the meme sites that we see, all those like pictures or whatever that you see on social media, that kind of thing. Like, it's funny because we all think it. Sure, I've had annoying drunks. That's fine. But when it comes down to it, they get a twenty. If they get an IV. If they get an IV. Let's so and let's, is, like so I don't I don't know the I don't know the ins and outs of this particular project's SOPs. Right. So there's that. So let's break that down. Let's talk about the clinical and let's talk about intoxicated patients. Let's talk about the clinical effectiveness of starting an IV. Okay. Uh stable patient, hemodynamically stable, drunk. Basically, you know, the old school thought was, well, give them an IV, you know, hydrate them, it'll help dilute things out. Uh, they'll sober up quicker and uh, they'll probably re- reduce the uh, hangover. Sure. If you want to be nice about it, why not? But here's the thing. There's no evidence. There's no well, there's, evidence to support that. And, and there's no evidence that it, the studies that there are studies that were done that in the ED, these people don't sober up faster. They don't get better mm-hmm. quicker. Uh, oral rehydration for intoxicated patients is just as effective and if not more effective than IV because you're giving you're giving probably better solutions you're probably giving you know and pedialyte tastes better pedialyte you know you can be giving gatorade things like that well here's the other thing too is that there's all these studies that come out about hemodynamically stable patients that are being flooded with fluid and turn out worse for it sure we're restricting fluids on trauma patients. Why would we do this sure. on someone who's Why stable? Why are you know the the old oh let's hang a liter bag? Even the even the old you know even the, the old trope of the banana bag you know with the you know, the um isn't getting used as much anymore because there's no evidence to support that it actually works. Sure. So clinically, it's questionable. Now I know there's going to be people jumping in and going oh well that's their protocol that's what they do. Okay. All right. You know, uh, fine. So but, tell me where in your protocol it says that you can shove a garden hose into a 13-year-old <laughs> because they had one too many vodka sodas. Did you have yeah. too much Smirnoff? Is that what too, happened? Too many White Claws. Aw, there's uh. no laws when you're drinking Claws. <laughs> Yo, we don't get a, like, some kind of advertisement plug for Watch, that. We'll get, can we, can we, we'll, get, we'll get a cease and, most, more likely a cease and desist. <laughs> um, Sorry. We love seltzer. But, you know, that's something that we need to talk about. Yeah, like, look, there's no clinical reason for it. If your protocols are there, you know, they're old, you know, or whatever, maybe you're putting saline locks in. Maybe it's something you do as a convenience for the emergency department. Everybody's got their own reasoning for doing it. Um, You know, whatever your agency is saying, I mean, obviously you're going to follow that guidelines. But, you know, if you're doing this, you know, there is evidence out there and you can go to your medical director and say, hey, doc, listen, this isn't working. Why are we doing this? Well, let's you talk know. about this particular instance because this is not about being clinically responsible. This is two paramedics who picked up an annoying patient who decided that the size of their catheter was going to be retribution for their behavior. Right. And let's let's talk about the process, how that conclusion came down, because there's a lot of people on social media who are arguing that, well, you know, that's a clinical judgment and you should be, you know, that's not fair the paramedic is supposed to make a decision as to what the right thing to do is and to choose the right equipment on their patient. I'll buy that to a point. To a point. But show me where this is, you know, mm-hmm. that's not what we're getting at here. And and the other part of this is when the agency looked at it, because it was a complaint. Sure. When the agency looked at it, first of all, they were joking about it. In front of the other agencies, in front of the police, in front of, you know, 
people like, oh, well, we're going to pick the big one, you know, or, you know, making a joke about the size of the IV. Mm -hmm. So that automatically puts you on a on a bad footing. And it could be just you're joking around. It could be you're trying to diffuse some tension or you're frustrated and you're using humor as a way to kind of solve temporarily an issue and that would be fine if the 13 year old didn't come up into the er with a 14 gauge in their arm correct and you that's know. where the line gets drawn right everyone here has dark humor right sure i've laughed at a drunk and before. that's and that's where the agency really kind of made the decision here it wasn't that they chose it wasn't the catheter that they chose it was the fact that they joked about i'm picking this one specifically because they're a pain in the you know what mm-hmm and that's where they run into the problem. And that's where social media is not picking up this whole idea because, you know, you're look, they're looking at this as, well, the medics got fired for doing their job. Yeah, but they didn't do their job. They didn't do their job well. So on the clinical judgment side of things, for a drunk, at least in my own practice, if you're drunk and you're managing an airway, I'm not giving you an IV. It pisses people off. It hurts. It makes people want to swing at my face. If you need the IV, I'm ready for it. But I'm not. I'm not exactly. Yeah, gonna I mean, start here's, an IV here's on my thing. It's everybody. like, what am I going to do for this person? And I right. and look, and I've been around long enough that yeah, we used to hang bags on these people just to hydrate them, just to kind of make you know. And we used to say, yeah, you know, it might help you with the hangover. Mm-hmm. That's what the knowledge was at the time. Now sure. we realize it doesn't really work. But so my clinical my judgment thing is like, you know. I may give them Zofran or an anti-emetic. That might be something I want to do to protect their airway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that in that case, that's something I can do. Um, if I have another, if I have a need to give a medication or do something else, or if I think at some point I'm going to have to take their airway. Sure. That's something. But just that normal, first of all, I don't think this is a paramedic level call. You know, hemodynamically stable conscious following commands maybe not well but can maintain their airway i don't see that this is an als call now i realize that other places don't work in tiered systems and work one medic one emt or a combined system or whatever and that's fine but this is the 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 point is is this is basic supportive measures you don't i don't think you for your uncomplicated alcohol you know intoxication you don't need this no first of all you don't need it and secondly the idea that like we do and this was a bunch of things that were mentioned a lot on like social media in these threads was the idea that like we do an IV in order to make someone else's job easier is ridiculous. Sure. So I'm not starting an IV on this patient because in my clinical judgment, it doesn't do any benefit to the patient. I don't need it for anything. It exposes them to all kinds of stuff in the field. Right. So they didn't get an IV because that's why. Google supportive thrombophlebitis. That's a lot of words. Oh, it is. That's a lot of words. But it sounds, it sounds gooey. Like it. You know, that's every time somebody tells me, oh, an IV can't, you know, field IVs don't do anything. They don't, they don't cause any harm. There's no big deal to them. Uh, Supportive thrombophlebitis. We're going to put the definition in the show notes. Good. Just take a look at it. All right. It's, there are things that can happen with peripheral IVs. There yeah. are problems that you can get from it. They're not benign procedures. Nothing really is a benign procedure. Everything is where the risks should be outweigh the benefits should outweigh the risk but that's the thing is that if i'm looking at my patient from a clinical aspect i'm not looking at it from procedural like oh i'm gonna start this iv because then the er doesn't have to or it makes the nurse's job easier it's i'm starting this iv because my patient will benefit from it by xyz right yeah that absolutely we we shouldn't you know but here's the problem we run into this because 
we've also advocated for, and I know that I've advocated for this as paramedicine and EMS can improve and smooth the patient's trajectory through the emergency department. So there are things that we do to start the ball rolling, so to speak. Right. So, I mean, a peripheral IV buys into that, but here's my thing. Why are you giving the IV? Why are you putting an IV in? For this particular patient or like in general? If you're putting it in for a reason, I'm okay with it. Well, that's that's a problem with this case is that the reason was that they wanted to cause pain. Right. And that's, first of all, not in your clinical SOPs whatsoever. Secondly, you're kind of a dick. Sorry, we're in a corporate office. But... (laughs) Well, that's, you're a Richard. Yeah, you're a Richard. Oh, Richard. Oh, Richard. (laughs) Um, Sorry to all the Richards out there, but, you know, (laughs) we're just saying. Um, Johnson. No, you're, you know, you're doing this, you know, you're doing this specifically to cause pain, to cause, you know, anguish, just maybe the scare, because it's a big needle, it looks big. Um, you know, some of the people also commented on the internet that there's studies that show that IV pain, perceived pain is pretty much the same, no matter what the gauge. Yeah. That an 18 hurts just as much as a 14 or a 20. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a needle. And I don't dispute that. Uh, the fact is, is that this was done to show, to, to teach somebody a lesson or to to show retaliatory. And to establish dominance. Yeah, this is a, you're an idiot, you're 13 years old, how could you ever do this? We're going to teach you a lesson to never have you do this again. Right. By causing some kind of physical pain or trauma. That's insanity. And everybody listening, just remember, you were 13. Go back and think. Yo, I what was a were total you in? I was waste awful. of space as I a thirteen a, years old. I was, was a awful. total oxygen thief as a thirteen year old. I turned like twenty five and I like turned around. I'm like, Mom, I'm super sorry. I was an I was just an awful individual. I've actually survived like I'm surprised so I survived the, this. So long. the point is everybody has these moments. And you know what? Everybody you know, these kids have these moments and you know, whether or not they're being a pain or whether they're being difficult, that's what you signed on for. This is the yeah, job. This is not a judgment thing. That's, this a, is that's not, the other thing is that this, you're here to judge someone clinically. You're not here to judge someone's life choices or the mistakes they made that evening or whatever else. Like, yeah, it's a 13 year old and they're drunk and that kind of sucks. But right. also do your freaking job. Yeah. This is what you're supposed to do. And it, it's interesting to see like a lot of the reaction that comes from both sides of this. There's a lot of reaction that happens with like, you absolutely have to fire these people. And then there's the reaction of, I can't believe that they were fired. But like the people who are like kind of in between those two things where they can see the justification, but they also understand the clinical aspect of things, the attacks that come at those people oh, yeah. from like the social media side of things, like the keyboard warriors. Oh, I walked into a couple of those. Yeah, you were kind of victim to a couple of those. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing is that if you ask someone from a reasonable point of view for all of the outcry for being a professional in the... Uh, considered a professional in the emergency services when we say this is what we should or shouldn't do what we get back is you know you weren't there how can you judge like that listen listen we can you have to this is what peer review is yeah oh my god everybody judges now stop it yeah and that's the thing is that maybe it's not judgment maybe this is a critique is the way it's supposed to happen right we don't take evidence-based anything without it being peer-reviewed at one point or another maybe these actions need to be peer-reviewed as well and if this is the platform that's going to happen on then yeah, you can hear one side or the other. You can judge one side and, or the and other. And I get their point. I get their point that we you're right. We weren't there. Sure. And we don't know what the situation was. And I'll, I'll, I'll buy that. 
But at the same time, there's a reasonableness that needs to be applied. Um, and that's that's something that's that's an issue, and we have to we have to make that. Well, I think that's a, that's a, like the biggest problem here is that like we are asking a bunch of professionals to act professionally, and we've never actually defined what professionalism looks like in a uniform standard. Everyone says I'm a professional because no. you walk in and your uniform squared away, and you don't curse off grandma because she called you at three o'clock in the morning because she fell. That's very nice of you. <laughs> like you don't flick your cigarettes in the house. Yeah, <laughs> don't kick the dog just because it's barking. At you. You're a stranger. Um, but that's not like that's the surface part of professionalism. The rest of it is hearing your colleagues out and understanding where like the clinical boundary and the personal assessment goes. It's ethics. It is ethics. It's developing ethics. Yeah. And that's something that we don't teach in school and we don't teach the students. And oh, we just talked you know. about this. So, you know, it's funny. We, we talk about this whole thing and, you know, it just keeps coming down to like, you know, if this was my kid. I'd be upset. Yeah. This is wrong. It's not something you should do. I, I'm I'm okay with you starting an IV, but not to hurt somebody. Not, not you know, and I'm not saying I want to take away a paramedic's clinical decision making or anything like that. You know, if there's a medical clinic or a clinical need for something to be done, then we should do it. If, they're ne- if it isn't, then don't do it. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, a... um. There was a doc, uh, there was a, there was an emergency doctor called named John Hines and he did a really good talk about, uh, thoracotomy and getting, you know, how people thought it was a cowboy move and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, he, he said something in that talk and we'll link to it in the show notes where it was really interesting. And, and what it boils down to is when you're, whenever you're considering a procedure and this is what he says, these are his words, um, are your intentions honorable? Did you do it because you felt that there was a legitimate reason and you thought there would be a benefit to your patient? Or are you just doing it because you can? Okay. And I think that should be a guiding principle. I think it should be a principle we teach in initial classes kind of everywhere. And, and in almost in anything. You know, I can intubate almost anybody, I think. Should I? I like how you threw I think in there just so just to cover your ass. Oh, I can always listen. I can always <laughs> screw it up royally. I mean, I'm as good as you're. You're as good as your last thing here. Let's That's be fair. honest. I mean, you know, I doesn't speak very well for these people. No, you know, but it is what it is. And I think no, right. I think we need to start asking ourselves as a profession: Are our intentions honorable? Are we doing the right things for the right reasons, or are we just doing them because we can say we can do them? I think we have to take a look at like the responsibility we take for our own practice. Like there's yeah. the, there's the idea that like, you know, can you do this just because you, you, should you do this just because you can? Sure. But like, that doesn't mean that you get to be vindictive about things either. Right. Like your emotions are going to play on your shift. They do for everybody. Right. And there's things you can do. There's things you should do. Right. There's things you shouldn't do. Sure. And I'm sure being that a professional that, is knowing the difference. Well, being a professional is understanding that that line or those lines can get blurred by how you feel that day. Correct. You're having a bad day. You're having a bad shift. Yeah. The 13 year old pissed you off. The thought can cross your mind to give them a 14 gauge. 
wouldn't this be hilarious? They would surely learn from me. Right. But and, professionalism and, 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 is drawing and, the line and saying know, no. And, and the wives' tales of EMS are, are, are rife with this stuff. You know, the, hey, slam two milligrams of Narcan into the overdose as you're bringing them into the emergency department. You know, If the nurses pissed you off. Yeah, like, I mean. Tell the, the homeless all, people that you, they can get and, sandwiches. And, and, like, and gang, I'm not making this up. I mean, this is, this is stuff that's been going around for years and it's all over the internet. And, uh, you know, okay, it, it's a gag, but you know, you start believing it. You know, the, the, the trouble with this is some people start blurring the lines between funny and yeah, real it bridges from, from old wives tale to actual practice. Right. Because they hear it. And if you hear it enough times, you think, well, that's what the salty ones do back in the day. And that's, and they got it's away a slippery with it. slope. It's a bad, you know, where does dark humor end? Where do we draw the line between, you know, what we jo- what is joked about and what is the line is professionalism. Yeah. The line is the standard for for uniform professionalism. I want my students or a student to have walked out of a classroom understanding that, yes, you may think it, but no, you may not do it. Sure. Done. And also that there's consequences to this. Oh, that's a whole other thing. You don't that's get whole, away with this. You I ever mean, see, if, you've, have you seen the rest of those threads where uh, like, I can say what I want to say, I can do what I want to do, like there is freedom in this I got, country. I got and, fired, my rights are violated. Well, no, not really. No, that's because you have the right to do what you did, but you're not free of the consequences of this action. Correct. And, and shut I think, up. And I think EMS clinicians forget that. Well, there's the whole paragod paradigm. I paragod. Guess. I, I paragod, know somebody paragod. who has a paragod sticker on their stuff. Like, of course. Uh, my like my like neck just nah, that's up. all right it's it's kind of men in jest but it's if it wasn't this person i would be really concerned that's fair i guess i guess if you know i the trust person. i trust the person okay but i i think it's tongue-in-cheek and, but that's the problem is some people don't get ch- tongue-in-cheek no, some people don't get dry senses of humor and that's where we really need to protect with our professionalism your professionalism is your armor that's going to protect yeah. you from this stuff that's a i like that Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. It is pretty good. You want to talk about the other thing? Oh, my Lord. So yeah, we have professionalism. So and that while we're on professionalism and while we're on a culture, we talk about, you know, we're talking about some really arcane things that don't get into a clinical discussion. But let's talk about another instance a few months ago that is, again, all over the Internet. It was all over the EMS uh, magazines. If you um, haven't heard about this and you're drinking something, put it down. Yeah, put it swallow. down. This is going to take a second. This is going to be an issue. Uh, I can't believe we had to have an air, we had to have an airway warning <laughs> for it to go into this. Yeah, airway warning. Airway warning. Airway, airway warning. warning. Spit spit take warning. Yeah. Um, there is a fire department in Washington State that apparently now has you're shaking your head because i can't because i know the story and it makes me so sick okay that apparently is under numerous civil civil lawsuits right now and in a lot of regulatory issues because apparently it's been a common practice of this department to use recently dead patients to practice procedures namely intubation wait silence to take this in let that sink in I'm going to break the silence. There are dead people in freaking fire departments that are being intubated on without permission and violating all kinds of orders. Are you kidding me? Right. And and remember, this isn't a cadaver lab thing. This isn't a departmental thing. This There's no consent here. This was person's dead. 
We need airway practice. Great opportunity. You said cadaver lab, right? This is not a cadaver lab situation. Let's paint this picture, okay? Someone dies in the back of your ambulance. There's nowhere to go with this person. So they put this person on a concrete floor in a closet in the back of a bay. And they're like, uh, it's an airway. Let's try stuff. Are you, what? But Hence, the title of the episode is what the actual what the actual <laughs> i swear to god if i walked in and i was a supervisor at the station that's exactly what i would say well, what the actual well here's the problem apparently this was a common practice this was understood there, there was a cultural thing here where if you know we're reading the article correctly that this had been going on for a period of more than a couple years 25 years it was 25 years years. that's not a culture that's a generation yeah that's an entire career worth of people it's literally pension like eligible yeah exactly he started as a rookie started practicing on dead bodies has retired still practicing on dead bodies could you imagine walking into work oh there's a fresh one in the closet anyone want to get around in what are you kidding Uh, Ah! i don't know i not ready i'm really kind of stunned I, i i don't know and there's going to be people out there going, well, you know, he's dead. I mean, it's not like he's going to complain. No, nope. like, let's let's go ahead and address those people right now. Yeah, please. Gross. Disgusting. <laughs> gross. Don't do that. Yeah, also, stop it. Also illegal. Someone tell me. It's too bad Jess, look, is, Jess isn't here to go. Oh, my like, God. I can. She's uh, going to listen to this episode like, and just explore. She'll be like this, like, oh, gross. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Jess. <laughs> Look up real fast. I know it was super juicy. I'm sorry. Um, look up real fast how much it costs for a intubation practice head. It's around $5,000 or so. Like a really good one. Uh, uh, yeah, we're not talking like a Fred the Head. We're talking no, like, like a really high fidelity, yeah, and that's medium what, uh, fidelity, I'm gonna decent assume, quality that you can get some good practice. I'm going to assume by, by practicing on the freshly dead that that's what you're looking for. You're looking for right. high they're fidelity. Looking, they're looking for that that fidelity, that tissue simulation. Um, yeah. There are places that are doing this uh, for a... It, they don't look. They're not cheap. I'll be no. honest. I mean, three thousand, five thousand dollars for an airway head. But let's let's look at bucks. this for a second. But five thousand dollars. How much money are we talking about in these lawsuits? Five thousand dollars for a head. Fifteen million. Wow. In lawsuits and seven million already paid out. Wow, that's a lot. Someone of air- do the math. That's a and lot tell of airway me, heads. That's a game. lot of airway. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Someone tell me how much seven million dollars will buy you in five thousand dollar heads. Oh, a lot. Just a stack of them. And a whole set of video laryngoscopes and all sorts of cool oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Seven million dollars, I could make a you can make a airway You lab. almost said make a killing, and we can't talk about that with dead bodies. Because <laughs> it's kind of the same. Eh, but, uh, like, you know, here's part of the problem. It's like the, this was a training failure. This is a policy failure. This was a supervision failure. This is a clinical how times, failure. How many times has that administration turned over in 25 years where they're just like, oh, the dead body in the in the thing? It's yeah, getting it's a little right. Oh, the guys are, oh, the medic unit's bringing back a dead body. Have fun. Everybody get out your little ringoscopes. Like, come Stop it. You know. At what point did we not look at, like, how, how did mean, this who, fall under the radar? Who thought this would work? Who thought this was a good idea? I don't know. And how come it took 25 years for somebody to figure out, hey, you know, something's wrong here? How much would it have cost for you to go to like your local hospital during one of their cadaver labs 
and been like, for competencies, you have to intubate 10 of these people. They have been dedicated to science. Well, wait, that's that's part of the problem is that a lot of paramedics don't have the access to these types of facilities or this type of training. That's fair. You know, and, I'll, I'll, I'll you know what? That. A lot of schools and, you know, medical schools and, and lab programs don't have that or they won't let you in. You know, this is one of the problems we're having with intubation as a training, uh, as a tool for training in, you know, paramedic clinical practice, you Mm -hmm. know, student clinical practice, because they just don't get the tubes. And if you're in a place that has a lot of tubes, that's great. But when you're the paramedic student, you're at the end of the line after the respiratory therapists, after the PA students, after the residents, after the interns, after the med students, uh, CRNA candidates, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody needs it. Everybody wants a tube. Yeah, but do you got to steal corpses to do it? Well, historically in medicine, I mean, the first uh, anatomists had to steal corpses to do di- dissections yeah, and learn bro, about we the body. We ain't in, we're, we're not there. That's I, not where we're I, at. I get that. But, you know, this is the extent that pe- this is a is this is this just a bad practice in and of itself or is it a bad practice that's born out of an inability to get people the training they need? I think it's both. You At know, one point or another, someone I'm not has gonna, his... I, I mean, what they did is wrong. I'm not defending it, but, no, yeah. you know, there's a cultural thing here. And, you know, they're trying to do the right thing here. They're 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 thinking outside the box. Oh, they're thinking outside the box. Yeah, so the box speak. that goes in the ground, bro. <laughs> <laughs> look, we don't kink shame on the overrun, look, but, like, this is going a little far. Look, it's... I, I look. Yeah, I think we all agree it's ethically wrong. It was. It was not a smart move. It's. It, it does. I'm not saying they're desecrating a human remains, but it's certainly not respectful of of that person and that that person's family. Well, let's go back down the training route of this, right? Like the the action of stealing a dead guy. Mm-hmm. Gross. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of gross. It's, it's, don't. Yeah, we're all, we're going. To the, don't do that. We're going to the morgue. We're sort of going on the way to the morgue. Yeah. We're gonna stop off the firehouse. Hey, can you pick me up a uh, a twenty ounce Pepsi uh, and a dead guy? Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> the one in the back's getting a little ripe. Like this isn't gonna work out. No, but like, if you're quick, finding hurry that... up before the jaw goes rigid. Like, oh, god. oh god. Like. <laughs> okay. All right. So, but if what you're finding is that your department is so educationally barren. That what you're resorting to in order to get your practice in is literally taking like, oh, they're not breathing that much anymore. Maybe we can put them in the back and wait till they stop. Oh, that kind of like, I don't think, not, wait, I don't think, I don't think anybody said that would happen. No, this I know. I'm sorry. Actually so that's, died. That's this not a thing. Not, yeah. These no. are actually previously dead people you that know. were in the back of an ambulance that happened right. to be on wheels and moving somewhere other than a morgue. Anyway, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were on the way. But that's the thing is that like, if this is so ingrained in culture, then at what point did this administration, because it had to have turned over at one point or another in the 25 years that it, that it was going on, what at point did the administration turn around and go, how do we think a little bit closer to the inside of the box without dealing with like fresh dead flesh? I don't know. That's where the, that's where the fall off happens. Yeah, I, I, this is a systemic failure and they're going to pay out the nose on it. They sure are. And this I is mean, the thing too, man, is that like, it's, it's 2019. I keep on mentioning the year because I want to enforce the fact that like, we're not in the 1700s or the 1430s or whatever medicine started. Um, <laughs> but so like I run an EMT program, right? And I want to show these students yes, you how do. I do. So I want to show the students how, you know, lungs work when you bag somebody. Correct. Right. So I have the option of getting donated flesh 
to find out, you know, so we can see how tissue works or there's synthetic flesh out there that number one, I don't have to waste. I can wash off and use again. Right. And number two, no one had to die for. Yeah. I mean, there, I, I think the technology and, you know, the effects industry has gotten to the point where, you know, some of these mannequins and some of these airway adjuncts these heads and some of the stuff that we're using is really so almost it's it has the same consistency it's got the same feel it's got the same it's designed stuff. It's for designed high fidelity for practice high, you know for really good practice you know we don't need that you know we don't need to do this stuff i'll be very interested to see how high up that knowledge went uh, the court, the corporate, they're going to settle out. There's, you're never going to hear about this again. They're just going to probably not. How many zeros would you like at the end of this check? And, uh, thanks. And no, here's the, here's the non-disclosure agreement. Thanks. God bless. What insurance policy covers that? Cause we don't have that one. What one? The one that covers like paying out for people who violate dead bodies. I think it's honestly, I Is think it it's an area like, that no one ever even figured out. Is it think prudential? The, even the insurance companies don't know. Is it like Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield? Should we talk to them about it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's sighing because I'm mentioning names. Dead I'm very cross. sorry. Dead Cross. Dead Cross Insurance. Deadpool. Deadpool. Good Deadpool movie. Insurance. Two, two good movies. Very good movies. Yeah. I actually downloaded the rap from the second one the other day and I listened to my car before I go to work. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's pretty good. Yeah. I gangster um, wrap it out. So, again, this is a short one. Uh, we're not going to go too crazy about this. I mean, uh, just, we'll... Just to put it on your radar, yeah. what the actual? What the actual? We're going to do a couple more of these. Um, this is going to be a regular feature with Hannah and me. We're going to do what the actual, where we're going to find really crazy things from the world of EMS and basically so I'm excited ask about why. I'm excited about this, but I'm also like terrified that these things exist for us to talk about. Yeah, but we have to talk about no, it. We have wrong. to. We have to like point this stuff out so that when people say, you know. Um, Why aren't we taken seriously as a profession? Yeah, it's because you one, I'd like a dead to guy. I'd like to submit his exhibit one. You were supposed to take this person where, and you took him where? Yeah. And How did this dead person end up in your garage? In the end, again, here you go. Are are your intentions honorable here? Yeah, that's the question. I don't think they were. I think for this that, guy, no. You know, well, I, so no. Backtrack. I think that the intentions were honorable for the training aspect okay. of this department. They were looking the for methodology something. is the me- completely screwed up. Good God. <laughs> Literally find <laughs> any way else to do this. If I if I could take a picture and his and his eyes can't get any wider. She is in like full bore like I'm deer in headlights right yeah, now. Really? She's <sighs> so anyway, this is uh this has been what the actual with Dan and uh, Anna. Hello. And uh, we're going to come back to this again. Um Again, uh, like us, rate us, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your um, your podcasting. Believe it or not, that really does help us with ratings and help us to put uh, products out for you. Uh, check out our uh, website. Uh, we've got blogs. We've got uh, Journal Club from the uh, MD1 program, which is a physician response program based in uh, New Jersey. Fantastic program. Uh, fantastic stuff. Um Imagine having fully trained emergency docs on scene that can augment your ability to take care of your patients to the level of an intensive care, you know, surgical suite, things like that. You ever seen CPR performed on an ultrasound in someone's living room? Yeah. Well, you could. (laughs) You could. 
Um, really, really amazing stuff in there, and they are truly doing some really good stuff, saving lives. Um, they're bringing whole blood to us out in the field, which is really, really cutting-edge stuff. Uh, we're going to have one of the MD1 docs on in the near future. Um, the Journal Club is excellent, too. If you're looking for, like, cutting-edge evidence-based stuff, yeah, check definitely. them out. Uh, check, out our, uh, check out our merch page uh, where, you know, get a Do Better t-shirt. Uh, if uh, you want to do better sticker, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, whatever, and uh, we'll send you one out. Send us back a picture with it in a, in a legal place. Legal, please, legal, please. please. And uh, we will uh, Preferably not on a dead it. body. Uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> it's terrible. No, don't give any ideas out. Uh, <laughs> oh, so anyway, uh, you know, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch up with you later. Get home safe. Don't do anything stupid in the process.